Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Hey, everybody, I'm Mark Shanowski, along with one of the NBA's most popular analysts, Stacey King. We're inviting you to join us on the Gimme the Hot Sauce podcast. So join us every week here in the Hot Sauce studios where we'll be talking about basketball, football, MMA, entertainment, and unique viewpoints from a group of sports experts having a few brews. That's right. Listen up on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Dan Weederer, on-air contributor for 670 The Score. You're going to be relying on a lot of young players, guys that have to materialize into who they thought they were. The Bears are who we thought they were. When either they drafted them or guys that they believe in that were already here, that's guys like Justin Fields. Bears beat reporter and enterprise writer for the Chicago Tribune. Matt has pounded it home from the day he took the job with the HITS principle and the acronym there and just saying repeatedly, we are going to be an effort-based football team. Dan Weederer. Get your track shoes on. With Bernstein and Holmes on 670 The Score. Dan Wiederer is on Twitter, at Dan Wiederer. He joins us on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And you should always be following along on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 The Score. Dan, how are you? Good. How are you guys doing? We are doing fantastic. We have not had the chance to talk with you since yeah. it became official that Kevin Warren was the president and CEO of the Bears. So what was it like to to be there at at what looks like a a new beginning for the Bears as a franchise? Yeah, like I I think you guys felt it even from afar, just the the presence and and what is going to be coming in with Kevin Warren's arrival. And it's just this this vision, you know, it's this this think big ambition that is going to percolate through the entire building. And and we we've talked obviously in recent weeks about um, the ripple effect that that's going to have. In some cases, it's going to be very uncomfortable. In some cases, it's going to be much needed. And I, I just think you're going to have oversight and guidance at the top of the organization that hasn't been there for a very long time. And it may not be immediately obvious, but it will be obvious pretty soon at what that means to the whole product of the Chicago Bears. There was a real sort of rubber meets the road aha moment for me where Danny Parkins related to us a conversation he had with you. Where asking for these tangible, like, what does it mean to be that in charge and that energetic and have that kind of oversight? And the point you made was after you exhaust, exhaustively reported what the Bears did and didn't do before drafting Mitchell Trubisky, and the fact that they didn't pursue Deshaun Watson, and, and, and say what you want about what we now know about him, but at the time we didn't, the fact that they didn't have dinner with him, that they didn't even care. Your point, and Danny related this, was that that kind of thing won't happen. That kind of obvious oversight will not happen under Kevin Warren. At that point, that, that meant a lot to me to give a concrete example of how somebody that thorough can affect your football business. Yeah, so, so let's take it a step further because it wasn't just the, the lack of, of prep time on Deshaun Watson in that draft. It's the fact that you got to draft weekend and your head coach didn't know that your general manager was drafting a quarterback. His coaching staff was not heavily involved in the process of trying to figure out which one of these guys you wanted to, to bring along. You have this situation where Ryan Pace spends so much time in that pre-draft process trying to hide all of his intentions and then gets to draft night and still trades away a treasure chest worth of picks to move up one slot 
to draft Mitch Trubisky because he convinced himself that he couldn't settle for Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. Just think about that in the back of your head for a minute. Like, man, we have to have Mitch. It's Mitch and Mitch only. And if, if he gets taken at, with the first or second pick, we can't bear the thought of having to take Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson as our quarterback. There will be discussions had inside that building to make sure things like that don't happen. Uh, the other one that I like to bring up is just, you know, when we came out of the 2020 season, yes, the Bears made a uh, wild card appearance in the playoffs, but we all knew what that was and we all knew the direction things were headed. And you got trapped in the situation where the uh, top-down leadership decided they were going to give Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy another chance at things. They were going to give them the, the liberty to draft a new quarterback but then not the job security to see it through. And so then what happens is you end up picking Justin Fields, which has turned out to be a good thing, but you either uh, wasted or botched his first year of development because you had a coaching staff that was under the impression that they had a win now and they were playing Andy Dalton and all of those, those things were, were, were sort of muddled up. And so Dan, one of the things I like to say is that a leader like Kevin Warren, one of his first responsibilities is to sweep away the banana peels, right? Like just get, get rid of the stuff that causes people to wipe out and, and slip on it. And, and that's what you're going to see, you know, and it may not be obvious on an everyday basis, but over time you'll be like, wow, there's been, you know, seven to 10 fewer slip ups and embarrassing missteps than we're used to having. It's it's been such a change like organizationally that, that we've seen from the Bears over the last three years and I'd just love to know from someone who's around George more than than we are, h- how do you explain kind of where they were like hiding their shame in 2019 with the 1936 jerseys to where we are now where there's been massive change and in, in an opening up of hiring there that you might not have expected there to be four or five years ago. Lawrence, like I'll criticize George McCaskey for a lot of things. And I have obviously over the years covering this organization, but one thing that he is good at is listening and he is a good listener and he listens to a lot of people. Um, And when he's listening to to, to people that can, can steer him in, in productive, proactive uh, directions, he's not afraid to to take those steps. And so I think that is just sort of um, a byproduct of a, of a, a leader who understands that he's not, uh, perfect and far from it a lot of times and, and is willing to, to take advice and, and open his mind and, and, and try some new things. And what we've seen here um, in a lot of different ways is, is that open-mindedness to, to, to chart a new course and, and see where it takes us. Um, and so, so George deserves a lot of credit for, for evolving in that regard. I said earlier, watching some of these games in a couple of weeks of football now, that I'm done with slow running backs. I I just am. <laughs> I, I know that there's a time and a place for someone who is responsible and tough, but hit the hole and get down the field because you see the difference that it makes. That was just one little conclusion. There's been a lot of football, some good, some bad on both sides of yeah. the ball. What takeaways do you find applicable to the Bears? <laughs> Thank God you're in the NFC. Right. Like that's yeah. my first takeaway, because you watch this weekend's worth of games and you're like, man, that's Trevor and, and Patrick doing it out. Those guys could have playoff showdowns for a decade, you know, ahead of us. And then you, you get around to, to Sunday and you got Burrow versus Josh Allen. You go, oh, there's two more <laughs> just like that over in that conference. And here, you know, you're looking at Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott and Daniel Jones. And then obviously Jalen Hurts who's having a, a tremendous season. But it's just uh, a different landscape at the most important position. And so it gives you a, a little bit of a, a reason to be optimistic that if, if you can hit that um, sort of supercharger developmental, uh, you know, accelerator for, for Justin Fields here soon, that 
significant progress can be really significant progress in a conference where the, where the landscape isn't as demanding as it is over on the other side. Last week, we had the press conference. We got the chance to talk with Kevin Warren. It was a lot of fun and, and educational. I know that there were breakout sessions. What, were, what was the stuff that, that we didn't get to see or hear that you thought was interesting from, from last week at Hallis Hall? Yeah, it's a good question because yeah, Kevin did a lot, a lot of media that day, and, and to his credit, he was still engaged to the very end. And and I, look, I, I think that there are, are are two things that he is pursuing eagerly at the same time, and they're both really demanding. One is the stadium project in Arlington Heights. The other one is is trying to, um, you know, bring this football team back up to a level that that people around here can can respect and appreciate. And so those are huge things. But what Kevin Warren does, and, and this is, you know, was consistent with a lot of people um, that I talked to even before he was hired, is that he's very, very serious about the developmental piece of leadership, which means that he's going to find people under his watch um, that he can develop that can then develop the people below them. And, and so when you have those, uh, you know, multi-pronged approaches to making people in the building better, that's how think big visions become think big realities. And so I think there, there's something to that with Kevin that's worth looking into. I know for a fact that Ryan Poles is incredibly energized to have this sounding board now, right? And to have another sort of uh, guardrail or checks and balance, whatever you want to call it, to just sound things off and bounce things off. It's, there's no worry that, oh my God, this guy's going to overstep his bounds and force me into decisions I don't want to make. It's how can we put our heads together and come to the best possible decision for the Chicago Bears? And so if you apply that not only to the football operations, but across you know a half dozen to a dozen departments of that building, now all of a sudden you see where um, momentum can turn into energy that turns into something that, that makes the entire organization feel like it's going somewhere. And I think you guys would agree that for the longest time, it feels like you, you slam your foot on the accelerator and those, those tires just spin and they don't go anywhere. No, no doubt about it. Like they, they, they do have that feel and it's interesting to, to get him inside the building for sure. And, and now we start thinking about the, the, there is the Arlington Heights thing, which before you go, I want to talk to you about it, but now yeah. the, the football is a major focus Obviously, because Ryan Poles is is sitting on the yeah. most cap room and the number one pick. What's your sense of what's happening in the quarterback market? And before, are, are we too soon to even be thinking about what's possible as far as, as a trade goes for the Bears for that number one pick? Is this a, a walk up to the Bears are on the clock type situation? Well, look, I think a lot of things will come together. At, like right now, most teams are just locked into setting their free agency visions. And, and so, you know, that's step one of the offseason is trying to figure out your free agency board, what you can get, what you won't be able to get. And then you, you sort of slide it from there into your draft prep and, and you marry those hand in hand. And so it'll be another month or so. You know, the, the combine in Indianapolis at the end of February is always a, a, a spot where conversations happen and that's where ideas and seeds get planted for trades and and, and people start um you know just having the, the back and forth on what's possible and what's not and so i think maybe a month from now we'll have a, a clearer picture for who might be involved in that one of the things that i've heard from a couple different people in the league that's interesting is this thought process that the bears can really leverage 
the Texans and the Colts against one another, potentially, right? If both of those teams show any sort of interest in moving up to that number one slot, well, now you say, well, well, wait a second. Like, if you don't take this, then then your division rival is going to take this and they're going to get the guy that you want. And so you try, you try to play that game a little bit. It's like, you know, <laughs> negotiating for uh, desserts and the lunch on the playground where you just <laughs> you try to posture and you try to, you know, move it around and, and get the best possible outcome for yourself. But I think it would probably be a month or, or so from now that, that we'll start to get a lot more chat chatter uh, picking up in that regard. You know what pops into my head as we're having this conversation? Oatmeal cream pies? <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> but, but, but this time of year, we always talk about how when other teams see who's left playing and they get greedy and they draw wrong conclusions. And they say, well, that's what they do. We should do yeah. that. That's what defense they're running or that's how their roster was constructed. We should do that. We should do that. And sometimes it's to their detriment rather than sticking with a plan. And I guess for the first time in a while, especially with a, a young, untested general manager in Ryan Poles, that having the involvement of Kevin Warren, I think should have me probably rest easy that they're not going to get silly with chasing NFL trends as much as sticking to their own plan. Well, there's two parts of that. First of all, let me just say it was Swiss cake rolls for me, Lawrence, and so we can get that's to a, that at another hey time. Amen. That's a good call. <laughs> My, mine would probably be Nutty Buddies if I had to pick a little Debbie. Also a good choice. Yeah, no no qualms there with either one of those. But here's the other thing, Dan, is that, that, that Ryan Poles – really, really believes in his experience in Kansas City. And the Kansas City Chiefs are, are, are back on Conference Championship Sunday for the fifth straight year. And so if you, if you want to talk about sustaining success, they've obviously found that formula. And Ryan was part of discovering that formula throughout his climb up that, that front office ladder. And so I think that, that it, it's really good to have those two things hand in hand where they're not going to get out over their skis and, and and try to reinvent the wheel. And they, I mean, Ryan has, has said it. He's not here searching for a, a one-year high. You know, he, he's searching for something where people can feel proud over a seven to eight-year span of what they've accomplished. And as Bears followers, we haven't known that since the late 1980s. So I think their formula will be sound. I think the fact that you have Ryan's experience now matched up with Kevin, who's in his fourth NFL organization and has seen it done in different ways, gives you a lot of fodder for conversation. Then you bring in the, the guys that are, are in your building to begin with, and now all of a sudden you can sort of crystallize a vision and, and, and get this thing pointed in the right direction. The Bears were adamant about how their focus, their sole focus, is on Arlington Park and that project. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are some legal things that, that kind of make it so that they have to talk about it in that way. What's left for them to do before they close? Yeah, it's a good question because I, I'm really eager. You know, I mean, they, they have said many times here that by the end of quarter one, they expect to close on that property and then they'll start to, to figure out the feasibility of developing on it. I don't know why you'd close on it and then decide later that, oh, we can't do it. Other than the fact that you struggle to figure out where the funding is going to come from, which or is if there's the biggest an environmental issue. The only other thing is you never know what could turn up or an endangered species or something in the soil. Yeah. Yeah. And so look, like I think we're all sort of eager for that day to come where it's like, okay, the, the close is done. And now all we, we start talking about is, okay, so now what are the plans from here? Um, you, you know, look like I, there, are, I've got folks up in Minnesota that I need to talk to on a regular basis because now we can look at that stadium up there, U.S. Bank Stadium, as, as sort of the, the model that Kevin's going to be drawing from as he tries to build something similar here uh, in Arlington Heights. And there's, there's a lot of uh, obviously cool parts of that story 
uh, up in Minneapolis that'll be applicable here. And I think we're all just getting, you know, eager for the point where we can start to move forward and then ultimately perhaps actually start to see some of these cool uh, drawings and, and videos and other, other suggestions that they'll have to pick from when they start to take their menu down. Dan Weeder, thanks as always. Appreciate it. All right, fellas. Good talking to you.